We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. This past weekend, I spoke at the Illinois Family Institute. My topic was America's new religion, fake Christianity, the Church of Holy Wokeness. We'll talk about that and more on today's rebellion. Good morning and welcome to today's rebellion. Thank you so much for listening into the show. And thanks to so many of you who are loyally copying and pasting links to your favorite episodes of the rebellion out there in your social media world. It's working, we're growing, and I'm very grateful for your loyalty. Thank you for doing that. And thanks to those of you who are subscribers. And if you're listening and you're new and you'd like to consider subscribing, go to patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. That's patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. Again, thanks a ton to all of you for helping us grow the rebellion. Today's topic is my topic that I was assigned at the Illinois Family Institute when I spoke at their annual Worldview Conference up in the suburbs of Chicago this past weekend. Great organization if you live in that area, or even if you don't, you might want to consider supporting them. Go Google the Illinois Family Institute. Great organization. They're doing a great work. This is a perfect example of grassroots folks doing what we're supposed to do. Parents raising their children people taking responsibility for their local communities, pastors preaching the word of God rather than uh, social constructs that are popular within the debate today. This is a group of people, and it was a quite a large and successful conference where people are coming together with common sense, sense that's common. They understand the power of a biblical worldview, and they're taking seriously their responsibility to learn more, to communicate better, and to go out and engage in the market square of ideas with these biblical ideas, these biblical concepts, these concepts, these ideas, this ideology, this philosophy, this worldview that is grounded in scripture, grounded in natural law, grounded and anchored in, like I said, common sense, sense that's common, and then using the opportunities that God gives them, walking through the doors that God has opened for them, whether it be in their career, in their church, or in their relationships, and their families and whatnot, their friends, their neighbors, they're actually doing what you're supposed to do, and that's fighting the good fight for Christ and his kingdom. As Abraham Kuyper said, reclaiming every inch of creation for Christ and his kingdom. Every inch. That's in your job, that's in your neighborhood, that's in your family, that's in your church, that's in your corporation, that's in your community, that is in your government, 
That is everywhere. That's in arts and sciences, everywhere. Kuiper's point was this. Reclaim every inch of creation, everything that's out there. Everything that is out there should be reclaimed for Christ and his kingdom. And it's your responsibility, if you're a believer right now listening to me, to be salt and light. Salt to a dying and rotting culture and light to a darkened mind and darkened world that's around you. That's your responsibility. So that's what this conference was all about at the Illinois Family Institute. And I'm going to share with you today what I was assigned to talk about. And that is America's new religion, and I would call it, and have called it on this show, fake Christianity. Wokeism. Wokeism. And in other words, the church of holy wokeism. Let's take a break, and when I get back, that's our topic today. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. So, welcome back to The Rebellion. America's new religion. Uh, fake Christianity. And I would, I would argue, as I have before on this show, that if you, you should stop calling yourself a Christian if you don't believe in Christ, if you don't believe in Jesus as he's defined by Scripture in the Bible and as has been defended tenaciously by the church, by Jesus' church. If you don't believe in the creeds, if you don't believe in the Apostles' Creed, if you don't believe in the Nicene Creed, if you don't believe in the... Athanasian Creed, if you don't believe in these creeds, if you don't believe in the gospel, if you don't believe in the inerrancy of the word, then you might be claiming to be something that you're really not. And I think that's where the church is today. And I was assigned this topic. I was assigned this topic at the Illinois Family Institute Worldview Conference this past Friday and Saturday. So I'm arguing, I'm arguing that in a sense, now this is going to sound negative, but you know that there's a positive conclusion here. You know, I've said it a thousand times, that the gates of hell will not prevail against Christ's church. He promised that, and therefore he, he'll, he'll make good on that promise. God himself will not break his promise. So when Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against his church, you can take that one to the bank. So there's a positive closure here. But we can't ignore the reality of what's around us right now. So you, you look at American Christianity right now. You look at the leaders of the evangelical church and the leaders of the mainline churches, and you look at their seminaries, you look at their headquarters statements, you look at their magazines, and you can't help but notice that American Christianity has stumbled, if not completely fallen. You've got the cultural corrosion and the lack of biblical literacy, it's pervasive throughout this fake Christianity that's being preached within the American church. And I spoke about that at this conference. I've talked before on this show about moral therapeutic deism. Uh, George Barna has talked about this. There are other people out there that have talked about this. Uh, Rachel Bratton talked about it in her article that she wrote for the Western Journal a couple months back, where a poll that was taken demonstrates, demonstrates that the American church is lost. It doesn't even understand the basic tenets of the faith. In that poll, she talks about counterfeit religion, and she calls it moral therapeutic deism, as, as George Barna and others. 
Uh, what is that? It's a worldview that has quickly gained prominence, she says, and given many Americans a theology that looks nothing like historical Christianity. Basically, if you want to summarize what she's saying and what Barna is saying about moral therapeutic deism is that it's feel-good Christianity. It's moralistic, it's therapeutic, it makes you feel good about being a morally good person. And it, it acknowledges deism, that there's a God out there, but it doesn't define that God very clearly or very well. Uh, doctrine doesn't matter. Dogma doesn't matter. Definition of God doesn't matter. Um, recognizing that you are not a good person, that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord that it's by grace that you're saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. Recognizing those scriptural truths, that's not important. You, you're moralistic, you're a good person. Feel good about that therapeutically. And there is a God out there that'll, that'll welcome all at the end of days. That's essentially what they're arguing Christianity has become in America. And as you know, as you know, that is not biblical Christianity. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the church has held to be true. These are false definitions, false descriptions. This is false doctrine. This is not, this is not the faith once declared by the church and held consistently throughout the centuries. This is a new religion. It's a fake religion. So don't call it Christianity if you don't believe in Christ and if you don't believe in the revelation of God through the scriptures and if you don't hold to the doctrines of Christ's church and the Bible. That's why I constantly talk about the creeds. Again, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian's Creed. These creeds are important because they tell us the conclusions that the first Christians came to as they, as they listened to the original apostles, those who walked and talked with Jesus and his earthly ministry helped craft the first understanding of who Jesus was and is and continues to be. This is Christianity. You can't just reinvent it because you don't like the old stuff. That is the, that is the ultimate chronological snobbery in my book. So, what do we have today? We have a church of holy wokeness. That's really what we have. A church that places riots over revivals. A church that it talks about conflict more than unity. I mean, you've got a Black Lives Matter protest in North Carolina where a white woman takes to her microphone out in the streets and she says this, and I quote, we repent on behalf of uh, 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 Caucasian people, she says. That's exactly what she said. And then she shouts in her megaphone, her microphone, as she calls upon the entire crowd to kneel down, kneel, kneel, as if they're worshiping. They kneel down before two black pastors that are there, seated before them on a park bench. And they audibly weep as they bow before these people, not God, before these people. Does that sound like Christianity to you? Kneeling and repenting, confessing to people. No, you do that to God. If that's, if, if, if you're claiming Christianity, you've got Dan Cathy, the CEO of Chick-fil-A, 
who a few months back genuflacked before a black colleague in front of an entire crowd at a conference while shining his shoes. It, it appeared to be some sort of ritual atoning for the collective shame. That's his language of, of what? For what? What did he do? What was his sin that he was confessing to his black colleague? His sin was being white. His sin was the color of his skin, the way God had created him. Does that sound like the Christianity of the Apostle Paul in Scripture, where we are told we are neither Jew nor Greek, barbarian or Scythian? Does it sound like what Paul was telling us, that the hand cannot say to the eye or the foot, I have no need of you? This divisive rhetoric, this distinction between you and me because of the color of our skin, simply because of the way we look and we're going to somehow confess the shame of that? Uh, again, in Washington, D.C., we had a situation where thousands of people, thousands, knelt in front of a monument, again, kneeling as if in some sort of spiritual or religious worship. They knelt before a monument of Martin Luther King Jr., in penance for the sins presumed to be endemic, not in their individual actions on a daily basis or the things they had said and done, but the sin of their race. Again, this is not the Bible. What part of I'm neither Jew nor Greek, barbarian or Scythian, but all one in the body of Christ? What part of that is confusing? And then there's the situation on the streets of New York. You saw this one. There's a man out there, and he approaches numerous women on the streets, on the sidewalks, just going about their business in the streets of New York. They're all white women. And he demands, he approaches them with a video. He's taping them with his phone or whatever he's, whatever technology he's using. He's videotaping them, and they're white women, and he demands that they bow and apologize for who they are, that they bow, that they kneel, that they apologize, they confess, they repent of who they are. White women. Not what they've done, but who they are. And dozens of these women comply as he continues to video them and their confessions. You had the Democratic leaders in our nation's capital they all bowed. They knelt. And, and they all had the kente stoles, as if this was some sort of religious garb that they were wearing. So I, I could go on and on. I could give you other examples here. You've, you've got uh, evangelical churches, almost, almost more than you can count, that are posting laments. And I put that word in quotations for you. Laments, because that's the language they use. They're posting laments on their website. The Wesleyan Church has done that, where they're mourning the unjust fabric of society. Their language, and they call upon, and this is their language, those who have light skin to confess their sin. For having light skin? What in the world are you talking about? Are you going to call upon people who have brown skin to confess I mean, today you're calling upon people with light skin to confess. Are you going to call upon people who have brown skin tomorrow to confess? How about various other shades of melanin in their, in their skin color? I mean, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. This is not what the Bible talks about. The Bible never divides people by the way they look. The Bible always unifies people. We are one in Christ. We are one body. We are never segregated. The church is integrated. 
We integrate head and heart and fact and faith and belief and behavior. We integrate. We are integrationists. We are not segregationists. We don't divide. We unify. The univerities, the university. That's where the word university comes from. The unity of veritas, the unity of the truth. You don't call it a diversity. You call it a university for a reason. Ugh. And the church of all places should understand this. So my point, people, is this. Welcome to the church of holy wokeness. Welcome to the church that preaches collective blame rather than individual repentance. A church of enablement rather than evangelism. This is a church of riots rather than revival. Welcome to a church of collective guilt rather than one that preaches about personal sin. Welcome to a Marxist church, a neo-Marxist church, one that teaches more about um, class conflict, class conflict than the good news of salvation, a church of division rather than unity, one of us versus them, of the 99 versus the one. Does this language sound familiar? A church of the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie. This is a church of balkanization rather than the Beatitudes. This, this Marxism that's endemic in the evangelical church, the mainline church, yes, even some of the Catholic and Orthodox churches, this is not true Christianity. This is a church that has more in common with the cultural revolution of Mao than it does with the cross of Christ and his message. Welcome to a church of racists, pretending to stand against racism. A church that marches for love while it foments hate. Welcome to a church that is shamelessly intolerant while it pretends to be tolerant. This is a non-judgmental church that is also quick to rush out to judgment when they disagree with a conservative. Welcome to a church that categorizes people by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. Welcome to an affirming church. I'll say that one more time. Welcome to an affirming church, a church that tells you that you're born that way. Don't worry about it. You're born that way, but never ventures into telling you that you must be born again. I want to remind you, the person that coined those words, you must be born again, is Jesus. But do you hear that much anymore? No, the message is you're born that way. Celebrate it, affirm it, embrace it. Moral therapeutic deism. There's nothing immoral about what you're doing. Uh, we want you to feel good about it, therapeutically, feel good about it. Oh, there's a God out there. We're, we're deists, but we're not going to suggest that he'll judge anybody for, for, for their sins. That's not Christianity. Welcome to a church that bows before men. Literally, I gave you the examples at the beginning of this episode. A church that bows before men while it stands and rails and shakes its fist against God. Welcome to a church that worships what it sees in the mirror while it denies what it reads in the Bible. Welcome to a church that has exchanged the truth of God for a lie. A church that worships the created rather than the creator. 
a church that has been given over to be debased and reprobate mind, heart, and soul. That's the Piper paraphrase straight out of the letter that St. Paul wrote to the Church of Rome. Does it sound like the American church looks more like the Church of Rome, the one that the one that Paul was challenging, the one that he was calling upon to recognize that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. I mean, does it sound like these words that Paul used in his letter to the Church of Rome apply to the Church of America today? It sure does to me. How can you read that and not see that Paul's speaking to us right now in America? I'm going to read that last statement again. Welcome to a church that has exchanged the truth of God for a lie. A church that worships the created, ourselves, rather than the creator, God. A church that's been given over to a debased and reprobate mind. The reason we don't see this is we've been given over. We can't think any longer because of our self-worship. Because of our ele elevation of conflict over Christ. Our talk of revenge, redistribution, more than revival and repentance. This is a church of intersectionality over inerrancy. We hear more about that, don't we? Intersectionality. When's the last time you heard anything in your church from the pastor, from the pulpit, from the seminary, from the college president, from Sunday school, from the periodicals, magazines, or blogs, or whatever that your church posts? When did you last hear anything about the Bible being inerrant, infallible, authoritative, and true, and that you've got to take it to the bank? If it says it, believe it. You got to do it, not deconstruct it, but obey it. A church of intersectionality rather than inerrancy. Welcome to the woke church, the holy woke church. Pay attention to its high priests. Listen to their words. Hear their liturgy. Oh, they have one. It's written up in Black Lives Matter. It's in their social justice warrior creeds. Well, they have their creeds. They have their laments. They have their confessions. They're not 2,000 years old. They're two days old. Their chronological snobbery is rife. The irony is rich. It'd be funny if it weren't so sad. Welcome to their virtuous virtue signaling the dog whistles, the shouts to redistribute power and property. You need to learn this new church's doctrine. It's a doctrine of elevating the group, the group over the individual, of belief in government more than God. Their doctrine seems to parrot Marx and Lenin and Mao, while they seem to be ignorant of the words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And even Jesus. This is America's church today, by and large. By and large, this is America's church today.
And this is what I shared with the Illinois Family Institute. It's a church of group guilt. It's the cult of holy wokeness. It's nothing short of a new religion, people. A religion that demeans men, toxic masculinity, degrades women, blackfaces them, celebrating men dressing up in exaggerated makeup and costume, mocking and demeaning women, stealing their identity and their dignity. Talk about cultural appropriation, right? It's a church that actually sacrifices its children to Planned Parenthood, butchers, dismembers children, and then sells their body parts to science. It's a church that talks of science more than a savior. I wouldn't say they worship science because they actually aren't pro-science. They say they are, but just like everything else, they say they're tolerant, but they're intolerant. They say they believe in science, but they deny it. How can you pretend to be pro-science and deny the biological, physiological, genetic fact of a female? How can you claim to be a feminist and deny the feminine? You can't be pro-woman if women, if women, excuse me, are nothing but fantasies and fabrications. This is a church that elevates revenge and encourages blame. It's a church whose leaders have minds that are dark with confusion. It's a, it's a theology that's an inch deep in compassion and a mile wide in compromise. Welcome to the great awakening. You need to bow. They'll tell you to bow in submission and pay homage to all of these various different gods walking around among you. Gods seated on park benches, gods with megaphones and microphones walking through the streets of New York. You need to bow before these gods and repent and confess to them, before them. Ask them for forgiveness. It's the elevation of the created over the creator. I'm going to close by reading from the Apostle Paul. In the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, and self-abusing, lacking self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but de denying the power thereof. Have nothing to do with these people, says St. Paul. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. St. Paul. Sound like America's church? Welcome to the Church of Holy Wokeness. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.